0: Get Real with
1: Ralph. On AM 1050 WLIP. Good evening and
2: welcome to Get Real with Ralph. This is not a drill. This is our final episode. I'm your humble host, Ralph Nudie, coming to you live from the studios of AM 1050 W L I P Kenosha Gurney. And simulcast live from Kenosha to Cape Coral to the Canary Islands, via our YouTube channel, getRealWithRalph.com, and on our Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash face.
1: Oh, yeah, all over the place Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am so You know, the
2: world just won't stop getting crazier and won't stop getting more polarized. We're going to talk about the Kenosha Back the Blue rally as well as the counter-protest and the fallout. Special guests tonight, Will Leverson, candidate for Wisconsin State Assembly, District 66. And... Just in time for our show finale, the return of the great Jim Selovich. More on that too. So hang on as we take one last ride together.
1: Back after this.
2: Good evening, and thank you again for tuning in. I want to open with my personal commentary on the events that took place yesterday at the Kenosha Civic Park. I want to start by saying that for the past 15 or so months, this show has been about spreading our love of the community, talking about current events, whether local or national, Highlighting local artists and, of course, bringing attention to a cause that is of major importance to me, awareness of the trafficking of children around the world for sexual exploitation. And we have had a lot of support from the community in our cause. We have had a lot of support from the community for our show, from the local artistic community, and we have given our support back to them. Several weeks ago, when Kenosha and Lake County was faced with the Black Lives Matter protests, our radio station was evacuated. And uh, Jim Selovich and I covered the protests in Kenosha live, even though we didn't have a a station to broadcast from, uh, with a member of the community who followed with a camera. Now, we reported on the story as fairly and as objectively as possible without becoming the story. Although there was some violence and some minor damage to property by a few of the protest members, this protest was largely a peaceful one, and we acknowledged that. There were incidents of vandalism and a report of a molotov cocktail being tossed into a local restaurant, but again, it remained an isolated incident. At the end, it didn't look like that much damage was done, and we complimented both the protesters and the local police department for handling the protests in a professional manner. Now, these protests occurred while the city was under a curfew. There was no counter-protest. No agitators on the right or the alt-right or any other group attempting to disrupt and cause violence among these protesters. They were allowed to peacefully assemble, demonstrate, speak their peace, even blow off a little bit of steam. On June 13th, There was a kneeling for nine demonstration in Kenosha at the Civic Park. Many of the leaders of the community were there. And again, there was no counter demonstration, no disruption from anybody who disagreed with that particular cause or that particular way of dealing with the cause. The demonstration was allowed to go on peacefully, and it did. This show and every member of my staff, including especially myself, has consistently stated that there is a need for sensitivity and there are problems with the relationship between the black community and law enforcement. However, it has also been and is still my personal contention, mine, not everybody else's here, my, my views don't reflect anybody else's, that the law enforcement community overall does a good job and is not the biggest threat to black lives. When most people talk about the police, they talk about it in abstract terms. But police or the police is not an abstract concept to me of some abstract people that I know nothing about. These are real human beings that are in my life. Firstly. At the age of 18 years old, I enlisted in the U.S. Air Force, and I spent four years on active duty as a law enforcement specialist. Some of those years were in San Antonio, Texas, where the base that I was at was largely a a small city. It had a housing area. It had dormitories where the single people lived. It had a high school. It had stores. It had everything that a community has, and we did everything that community police do In that area, I remember my first time at 20 years old taking an African American man into custody for a a theft charge and already being yelled at, being spat at, being called a racist, being called all kinds of names simply because I was doing what I was ordered to do, which was take a man into custody and turn him in so the authorities can decide what to be done with after the fact. I remember that uneasy feeling. I remember not knowing whether I was going to be safe, whether I was going to be injured, whether I was going to be hurt. And from my own personal experience, it was scary, not because the person I was taking into custody was African-American because that didn't have to do that, but because he was violent and hateful toward me because I caught him committing a crime or he was caught committing a crime and I was taking him into custody. It's a tough job. It's a tough job when you're a 19-year-old kid and you don't know anything about life. It's probably just as tough of a job when you're a 40-something-year-old man and you want to make sure that you get to go home to your wife and kids all right, and you're going to domestic violence calls. You're going to child abuse calls. You're pulling people over for traffic violations, not knowing who or what is in the car And let me tell you, folks, the last thing that's on your mind is the race, the nationality, the color, anything of the person that you're stopping. It is, can I defuse the situation? Can I go home safe? At least that was my experience. Now, did I know some people that are a little bit sadistic and, and acted improperly toward people? Of course, every group has bad apples in them. If you belong to a group, you belong to a family, you work at a company, there's probably somebody in that group that you you really would like to disavow. We all have that. We all have that crazy uncle that says stuff that just shouldn't be said. That's not unique to white America or black America or latino America. That's life, ladies and gentlemen. But beyond my personal experience, which ended in my 20s because I came back to civilian life and came back to work in the private sector, I have personal friends I have relatives who are members of the law enforcement community. I've had some that went to work and did not come home. That's not an abstract policy. That's not an abstract concept to me. These are people that I know and love. This doesn't mean that I think that every police officer is an upstanding, perfect person. It means that they're human beings and they're members of our community. Real people with real lives like school teachers, like firefighters, like the butcher at the grocery store. There's definitely a disconnect between the inner city, between the black community, and police. And it needs to be addressed. I think that everybody in this country agrees that it needs to be addressed. But when the police profession as a whole came under fire and continues to come under fire, and when everybody who's involved in a profession are categorized as pigs, when everybody in a a profession are categorized as evil, when everybody in a profession, people that I know personally that are good people, are demonized. It's human nature to want to stand up for the people that you know and love. So when I was asked not to attend this rally as as a media member to report as an objective journalist, but as a supporter of our local law enforcement community, I accepted the invitation. I was asked to do this by the wife of a a state trooper in Kenosha. Uh, I've known these people since I was in high school. They raised three children, the youngest of which is the age of one of my oldest children, and after they were done raising their own children, and they were done... And able to go move on with their lives, instead of doing so, they took on two children who needed a foster home. These children were African-American children. It didn't matter to them either way. They're in the process of adopting these children. So when these people asked me to come to a rally to support the police, I'm not thinking about this in terms of race. I'm not thinking about this in terms of it's going to be construed as something hateful. And I was asked to introduce former Milwaukee Sheriff David Clark, who from all I understood, is a prominent, successful member of both the black community and the law enforcement community. So to me, this sounded like a winning proposition. It sounded to me like an event that I could go to and I could continue to spread my message of healing, continue to spread my message of taking people that typically are at odds with one another and bring them together. That's why I showed up there that day. And after watching the other protests that were in favor of black lives, and believe me, when I tell you this, I care about the lives of black people. I care about the lives of everybody in this community. I love my fellow man and woman. I also care about the lives of these law enforcement officers. So I was asked to come and I thought that I could come and I could bring some some, some words of healing and wisdom and like the other protests that were peaceful, I expected this one to be peaceful as well. And when I arrived, what I found was that there was a counter-protest. This is something that we didn't encounter with the other two protests or rallies or whatever you wanted them to be. And the people that were counter-protesting weren't just peacefully holding signs and saying that uh, they, they think there's a problem in the community. No, no, there, there was one dressed up as a... Uh, a Marxist revolutionary, Chi, looked like a Halloween costume, if you want to know the truth, except it said on his shirt, all cops are bastards. And he was grabbing his, his genitals. He was shouting obscenities at passersby, including families with children. I Couldn't believe my eyes. I couldn't believe how rabid these people were. He, had a, he, had a, he didn't have a, a medical mask on because he was worried about the COVID. He had a bandana around his face like you see on the news when revolutionaries are throwing Molotov cocktails and, and, and bombing and, and looting. And that's how the man was dressed. I can't help that. I made my way to the center of the Civic Park where we were going to give our speech. And in that center square was largely a group of very peaceful people, and I felt at ease when I got in the middle. It looked to me like the Kenosha Police Department did a very good job of keeping the counter-protesters on the other side of the road over by the Kenosha County Courthouse and the people that wanted to attend the rally able to do so and, and peacefully do so and say what they wanted to say. Shortly after I got there and made contact with the event organizers, Sheriff David Clark uh, arrived at the, uh, at the site and around that time, a skirmish broke out somewhere in the corner of where this, uh, this park was. And my first responsibility, my first reaction was to get my wife and my child the hell out of there because I didn't want, my, I, I didn't want any violence. I didn't want to be around violence, especially with my child. So I escorted my wife and child the opposite direction to I knew they were far enough away that there was nothing violent going on so they could continue moving toward our vehicle. And then I turned my attention to where the skirmish was, and I made my way over there. And by the time I got there, it had been diffused. It had been broken apart. And actually, one of the back-the-blue rally attendees was being handcuffed. And uh, apparently, this guy was just acting like a jerk. Uh, it's it's a guy that I knew personally, and I just kind of shook my head. I, 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 again, I disavow that kind of behavior. I don't know how it started. I don't know how it ended. I wasn't a participant in it. I was there to do one thing, give some words of healing, and I thought that that was more important than, than ever. So I made my way back to the center of the Civic Park, and the chaplain for the Kenosha County Sheriff's Department gave a prayer. There was one other speaker before me, and after that, I, I got up and, and I grabbed my megaphone, and I, I spoke my piece. One of the things that I said, and I'll stand by it, is that while the lives of black Americans matter, the Black Lives Movement, the Black Lives Organization, isn't really about that. It's about dividing us so that a political agenda can be accomplished. I believe that. I believe that they were very smart in crafting the words of their organization into a name that if you stand against it, it sounds like you stand against African Americans in this country. And that's what they do. They use word tricks. And they did. And I made sure that I chose my words carefully because I want people to know that the love of my heart extends to all people of all colors. I asked that everybody who was attending the rally pray for the people on the other side of the street, that they find some peace in their hearts and that everybody find a way to come together. I talked about the notion, this idea that defunding our police departments and shutting down police departments in our country is going to hurt the very people that the protesters want to help. Because most of these protesters, I truly believe, had good intentions in their heart, and they've been a little bit radicalized and a lot of it used for a purpose that they don't fully understand. That's what I said. And then I introduced Sheriff Clark... And he got up and he gave his speech. And when it ended, I felt very good about what had happened in the center. I knew that there was disruptions going on. As a matter of fact, a woman jumped up and tried to disrupt David Clark's speech herself personally. And everybody that was there in the center exercised restraint. I also heard a couple of crusty old boomers shouting obscenities back at the at the protesters. As is going to happen in every group, I guess that, that's the that uncle in your family that you disavow Uh, saying mean things back. But when you have 200 people and they don't all know each other, that sort of thing is going to happen. And overall, I felt good about what happened there, and I felt good about the intention of at least 80 to 90% of the people there. And the people on the fringes, well, there's extremists on every side of everything, and if you worry about just what the extremists do, and you try to take responsibility for what they do, well, then nothing is going to get accomplished. So I felt like I accomplished something good. And I walked away feeling good. But that good feeling didn't last very long. Because within an hour or two of leaving the event, I found that I was personally singled out and tagged in a post by a a local journalist who is also somebody I consider a friend and who's been a frequent guest on our show, basically asking me what I thought of all the violence that was going on. I didn't see any violence going on. That doesn't mean it wasn't going on. It means that I was focused on my mission. I was focused on what I was there for. And I think that most of the people standing in the center were the people who were peace-loving people who also wanted the same thing. I wasn't paying attention to the people that were standing on the edge paying attention to the counter-protesters and the counter-protesters that were paying attention to them and the pushback that was going back and forth. I'm not concerned with those people. Those people can't be won over whether they're far right or far left. Those are the people that just want to fight no matter what. That's not my concern. My concern is the middle, the middle of America. It's why I started this show a year ago with Stuck in the Middle with You. It's why I end this last show with Stuck in the Middle with You because I feel like most of us are stuck in the middle together. At any rate, I gave some pushback to this friend of mine about what I saw. And then, and only then, as I watched his videos and his account of what happened, I noticed that he was being treated very differently, and he legitimately did see something very different from what I was seeing. Because he was standing at a different vantage point, and he was paying attention to different events that were going on than the events that I was paying attention to. That doesn't make him a liar. That doesn't make him dishonest. And it doesn't make him a bad person. His perception of what was going on there was based on the lens he was looking at it through. Now, I do believe there is a certain degree of us all seeing what we want to see in life. I saw peaceful people because I came there wanting to see peaceful people. And when I looked even further, I saw that this journalist... Was He wasn't wearing a medical mask, wasn't wearing press credentials, wasn't holding a, a camera like the the other members of the same outlet, but he was wearing jeans, a T-shirt, was carrying a cell phone, and had a very similar face shield type mask to the ones that the protesters were wearing, and that in his own video, the police officers were mistaking him for the counter-protesters and telling him to get back on the other side, and he was having to remind them the, uh, and, and let them know that he was pressing get back. So I, I feel like this person was invested in seeing the bad side of what was going on. And if you're invested in seeing the bad side of what's going on, you're going to see it. And so my answer to him was that I love you as an individual and as a member of the community and as a musician, and I'm sorry that we don't see things the same way. And just because I don't agree with you on the best solution for the problems that are plaguing our community. And we do have problems plaguing our community. Just because I don't agree with you on the solution to the problem doesn't mean that I don't care about the problem, doesn't mean that I don't want the problem solved, doesn't mean that I don't care about black lives. And it certainly doesn't make me or anybody else who has a different opinion on how to solve the problem a racist. I came there invited by people who were raising black children to introduce an accomplished member of the black community. In my heart, in my mind, in my soul, I knew that I was going there to do some good, and I left there also knowing that I did some good.
1: Get real with Ralph
2: on AM
0: 1050 WLIP.
2: back here in the studio, AM 1050 WLIP, Kenosha Gurney. Catch us on our YouTube channel, GetRealWithRalph.com, or on our Facebook page. And Jim, welcome back. Hey. It's, wow.
1: Uh, it's really strange to be back.
2: It's really strange to be back and only be back once after For, these plans yeah, I, that I, I dropped I, on I, you. I,
1: I, I couldn't miss the finale uh, of, of the Get Real With Ralph here on WLIP. Um as uh, the regular listeners know, I haven't been in the studio. Um, I have been, uh, well, you know, I've been appearing via Zoom, via Zoom. I've been appearing via Zoom, but
2: um, you look better uh, in person, man. I just got to yeah, say, well,
1: you know, it's a it's it's a, I, I do look better in person. I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Um, but uh, I, I couldn't miss the very last show. Um, so here at Gurney Mills.
2: Gurney Mills Mall. I like it late at night when we come here and the the mall is empty. Of course, before it was empty because it was shut down. But every once in a while, you see Paul Blart go by on yeah. his on his Segway right past the window yeah. of the studio here. Get,
1: I only had one screw up on the uh, on the board. Well, that's
2: that's about eight less than I have on a typical <laughs> first segment. So man, am I? So I'm just
1: like uh, you know we're coming in. I'm like you might have to retrain me on this board because it's been a while since I've been on
2: it. It's like riding a bike for you though. No, man.
1: As long as I know where everything's at. Yep. Let's just, just know where everything's at and uh, bringing the fader up and down. So um, so it's been a pleasure uh, uh, being on this show, and uh, I had a good time with it, and thanks for letting me uh, promote uh, different things I have in, uh, had coming up. I'm saying had because uh, since the pandemic and everything— Nobody I, has I've, anything I've, coming up I haven't, up these I haven't days. been on stage in, uh, in quite a while. So I did the very last show at the uh, Rhodey Center for the Arts, second week in March, and then uh, everything got shut down. So— um, so well, hopefully, you've got something come up. I don't know. We'll, the we'll pandemic
2: happens. will end when the election is over, right? But, but I, I, yeah. I, I fully believe that.
1: <laughs> so I, I do have a lot of uh, a lot of material written up too. So you know, maybe back to the stand up stage and and, uh, and and do my thing. Do my thing.
2: Well, you're gonna have to hop on a plane and fly down to Southwest Florida. So that's and, that, and, and that's that's where you're heading. That's the plan. So okay. lady, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, we, let's uh, let's, uh,
1: let's, uh, let's let the people know
2: we're gonna be relocating this show. Uh, to southwest Florida in in, in short order. I'm going to be making the relocation down there over the next couple of weeks, and uh, I will be coming back to uh, the Kenosha area regularly as this has been my home for my entire 48 years with the exception of the four that I served uh, on Mm -hmm. active duty military. So I've had 44 Wisconsin winters, and I just decided that I'm done with them. Yeah, I don't blame you. But the Wisconsin summers, I, I, I'm, I'm game for those. You're but unlike most other snowbirds that finish raising their kids, you know, I raised kids twice. <laughs> my, uh, my, my youngest of my oldest three just graduated from high school. And uh, my wife and I have three young kids, 12, 8, and 3. And he's just starting middle school. This seemed like if, if we we're ever going to make the move is either now or 15 years from now. And, man, right. I've, been, I've been living hard. I don't even know if I'm going to be alive 15 years from now. So I want, to, I want to enjoy my life now.
1: Yeah. You know, Florida's a good place to be. I mean, I might come down and visit. We talked about it, possibility, and uh, get some friends down in your area that you're moving to.
2: Absolutely. So,
1: um, yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going on? But, um, yeah, you know, you'll be back. Every oh, now yeah. and then, you know, you're not leaving completely. You're, uh, just, you're just not going to be doing a uh, show on Sunday nights. I won't
2: be doing my show on Sunday nights from here. But uh, I, I just want to thank the entire staff at WLIP mm. for uh, for putting up with me uh, being a complete rookie a year ago and not even knowing how to operate a board or anything. And of course, they put me in touch with you and brought you in as my board operator. And after one week, I think you and I knew that we had a, we had a show yeah, together. Well, that yeah, was
1: you're like, hey, do you want to do this every week? I'm like, oh, all right, sure, why not? And, we, and we've we've covered great topics. We've mm-hmm. had some great guests. We had some really great guests.
2: And uh, I I feel like we've accomplished a few things mm-hmm. here. Absolutely. And this is not this is not the end. It, it, it's the end for us mm-hmm. here. But uh, of course, it's the end of radio in Kenosha, anyway. So uh, oh yeah, you know we're we're in Gurney, Illinois. It's it's a very nice studio, but it's not the same as same well, broadcasting you know, yeah, from it, Kenosha. It's,
1: it's yeah, and, and that's that's no secret.
2: It's no secret. Uh, it's no,
1: I, t- I talk to people on the street who know me, because you know me, this radio station, I started here in 1983, and I was full-time till like 92, and then I was, you know, part-time and worked here and there, so I'm associated a lot with radio in Kenosha, and, you know, I talk to a lot of people, and they're just, you know, and and that's natural, and and that's a natural thing. People are going are gonna to feel that way, and yep. they're concerned that they've, they've lost their Kenosha radio station. Well, and... and yeah, yeah, sorta. Of, yeah, I mean, it's not in Kenosha anymore. So, but
2: so, so far they've done a good job of keeping the content local. And sure, I'll be checking back with them uh, when 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 I pop right, back in right. town on a semi-monthly basis. Right,
1: right. You know, and, and they're great people here, and you know, they're my friends. They are. I've known them for years. You know, in fact, I trained John Perry. That is so yeah, crazy. You know, yeah, you know, he's the he's the. And he's now he's the big man on campus he's, over he's, here. He's 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 the he's the swizzle stick that that stirs this here
2: drink. Rocking the will rock over there. Well, we got great guests, uh, like tonight. We do, we do. So we have with us in the studio today, and uh, this was not, the funny thing is this was planned before I took my trip to Florida a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I came across Will Levinson on social media, and we started talking, and I said, hey, I'd love for you to come on my, my my program and talk about what you're all about. And then I met him for the first time after having this planned today, in person yesterday, at the, uh, at the Back of the Blue Rally, and I thought, wow, this is a very precipitous meeting that we would come in, 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 in contact with each other at that event and then have all this controversy that happened between then and now, oh, which, yeah. believe me, I don't, I don't like the controversy. I really don't, and, and it seems like the whole, the whole world's gone mad. But uh, So under those crazy circumstances, here you are for the first time as a guest on, on my show, and, and, and we'll welcome.
0: Absolutely. And thank you for having me, Ralph. Um, It's a great pleasure to have the opportunity to connect with your audience. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, As Ralph said, I'm Will Leverson, current candidate, Republican candidate for the city of Racine's 66th Assembly District seat, which is not the entirety of the city. It's uh, Racine, all of Racine, south of Melvin to 21st Street. Uh, Things get really uh, interesting around Durand. As the other gentleman that uh, that arrived with me. The other uh, adjacent uh, to Kenosha, as a matter of fact, uh, Ed Hipsch, who's uh, running against uh, Tip McGuire. Uh, but the
2: oh yeah, I met I met Ed yesterday too for the first yeah, time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we weren't. We were. Uh, to be fair, uh, we were not there just solely as uh, as Republican folks that tout the party line of of backing the blue. We were there because, regardless in this conversation, we're going to have to find a way uh, to help. Uh, fund uh, the, our safety component, which is our law enforcement agencies, to make sure that we can continue to keep all of our friends, families, and neighbors uh, safe from harm. Sure. And so we, we want to make sure that we do is to bring a, a real conservative message uh, to every household uh, here in our state to to help move our state uh, in the right direction. Because uh, certainly uh, having one side, and this is, uh, I'm, I'm, you have to forgive me for not being uh, too uh, too familiar with things in Kenosha, but certainly in the city of Racine, uh, most of the folks that have uh, not done their the best diligence uh, by folks there, and I'm being kind because we are on radio uh, here, and I'm not sure this is a family show, uh, but I just want to make sure that, Uh, folks understand that this isn't some diatribe, uh, this isn't some uh, party line of the right. Uh, We have a serious problem endemic to Racine and it's been uh, one party rule by Democrats who have fleeced our city um, for resources and monies um, over these uh, 50 some odd years. I'm 38 years old, I'm saying 50, uh, because that's just being fair uh, to to the span of time that they've been in power there. And one of the things that I wanted to share here uh, tonight is why it's so important that we bring our conservative message to every household. Is that in our in our lifetime, certainly Ralph, you and I are are, are nearly in the same peer group we are, and then for folks that are just a few summers older than us, uh, the Democrats and and folks uh, certainly here uh, in our state um, are not these well-meaning folks. Um, Some of the things that they have uh, when you have these conversations about law enforcement um, in our city, in Racine, uh, law enforcement professionals who are men and women who, regardless of how I feel personally about things, I'll still have to represent and I'll still have to make sure they have all the tools available to do their jobs and to get home to their families the same way that I did when I was a sailor. Uh, There was budgeting and allocation of funds and policy that helped bring me home. Uh, there were some times, many times when it fell short, many, many times. But that's why we we ascribe ourselves to be a country uh, under God, indivisible, and I believe that faith uh, it should be always a component. And that's not what we're doing right now. We're not doing our diligence and in, 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 in a good faith uh, by some of those men and women who wear that uniform who do a thankless job a lot of days. Uh, these are the people that even when we have our issues and, and something has happened, happening to our, someone we love. Uh, we'll have to dial our 911, and we'll have to go through dispatch, and they'll have to dispatch a law enforcement professional to respond to our, uh, to our present uh, danger.
2: And we hope that we have enough well-funded, well-trained people on the street that somebody can get there in, in short order uh, and, and, and not drain the resources because, because resources can get spread thin very quickly.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and, and when it comes sort of to the urgency uh, of the hour, this is what uh, the often celebrated uh, longest serving president pro tempore of our Senate, who was the uh, prior chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee before there was one Joe Biden who uh, took Strom Thurmond's place. But this is what Strom Thurmond had to say as as uh, the nation was facing uh, the question as to whether or not we would desegregate. And there was a gentleman who was occupying the White House at that time, someone who had seen all sorts of horrors of war, knowing the tragedy that it is when men aren't able to fight in a cohesive fighting force. That person, that president, was Dwight Eisenhower. He was just about to sign, or hoped to sign, the Civil Rights Act, 1957. This is what Strom Thurmond, who uh, birds of a feather do flock together, and as he is celebrated in all those halls of... Democratic thinking. This is what Strom Thurmond had to say about, well, I'll get personal with, about my people's freedom here. The Civil Rights Act simply means that it's another means, that it's another effort on the part of this president to dominate the country by force and to put into effect these uncalled for and the damnable proposals he has recommended under the guise of so-called civil rights. And I tell you, the American people, from one side to the other, had better wake up and oppose such a program, and if they don't, the next thing will be a totalitarian state in these United States. And that is the same gentleman who was succeeded by Joe Biden on the Senate Judiciary Committee, the same gentleman that I'm sure that everyone knows uh, was an architect of some 1994 crime bill. These are the people that... uh, there was a gentleman who penned a book uh, when I was a young sailor. It was a conservative gentleman, and that was Bill O'Reilly, and his book was Who's Looking Out for You? And that's the question that we all ask ourselves here now, right? If you're a, if you're a law enforcement professional, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, we're dealing with a, a new contagion, an insidious virus uh, that we don't fully understand, yet we are blessed that it is not a high-percentage killer. That is the fact That is not a party line. It is not a hantavirus, which is also a pulmonary disease. A far, far more insidious contagion. That is a nearly 30% killer. We have a virus that, while it is new, the same defenses that our bodies have had since we've been human, Ralph. This isn't something that's new to us. This isn't a monster that dropped out of the into the Lake Michigan and, and crawled on our shores and, and now it's an attacking our lungs
2: because that's where it wants to infect us. That, that That's not what's going on. Well, you would think that it was because you see people walking around by themselves in the open air with masks over their faces. So, uh, you know, I, I, I wonder when I see that, what they're protecting themselves from when they're not even in close quarters with other people. And that's the... And, and so, and I want to get back to
0: the event, and I apologize, Ralph, but uh, I just wanted to... Well, we've got plenty of time, don't worry. <laughs> oh, thank you. I just wanted to have an opportunity to really connect uh, there with the audience uh, there. So this isn't some, once again, some diatribe of two like-minded individuals. Ralph and I had two different vantage points in this, but my response to that same gentleman, and to be fair, I'm a business consultant, so I'm a little bit better than a lawyer. Uh, I just get paid less hourly. Um, so So
2: more ethics, less money?
0: Yep, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, a, a, and so, when Ed and I arrived, as we're driving up, and Ralph probably didn't get a chance to see this nor did many because their attention was once again toward that center area that Ralph was describing. Uh, Ed and I are, are, are driving up, and as we're arriving, my my amateur comic brain, uh, I used to do a little bit of amateur comic comedy down in not far uh, from where Ralph will be uh, there at the Improv there in Ebor City. And at side splitters in Carrollwood, but uh, as we're as we're as we're so we're driving up, and, and as I I happen to see, I said, "Well, I see we see the Black Lives Matter." Well, well, what what they or what these people claim to have been Black Lives Matter. We saw it was BLM and all that, but I didn't see a single person that looked like me at all. There was not, that's not me, you know, signifying or or, or or trying to make light of anyone's beliefs. I'm not disparaging anyone, but really, seriously, we're driving up here, and there was not a single black person in that crowd.
2: I, I, I said to, in, in, on social media, that there are more black people in the back of the blue rally than there were on the uh, on the counter protest, and, and I was shot down and basically told I, w- I was full of beans, and... Uh, I, I, I just don't understand how people can, two people can look at the exact same thing and see two entirely different things, but I guess that's what perspective is all about.
0: And, uh, and so Ed and I were parking, and, 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 and to be fair, the uh, commentary that perhaps a, a certain group uh, or what calls itself to be Black Lives Matter may not uh, be effectively. Uh, representing or otherwise speaking for that impacted group of people um i can't feel like they are once again because i as i'm i, I could see if there if, if it was some organized thing i don't know what it was maybe it was some loose affiliation of like-minded souls or allies or how they call themselves um and that was fine
2: but what was well, it? it was a failed school board candidate kyle yeah. flood who i guess was one of the uh candidates uh this guy i think got booted out of the school board for smoking marijuana when he was uh uh, got arrested for smoking marijuana while he was a school board member in college or something like that. And uh, uh, he's the guy's kind of a loose cannon. And from what I understand from some of his posts, he was he was one of the organizers. He he's not an African American either. And and that would
0: make sense. And that's you know, and that's a very quick breakdown. And one thing that that voters in the '66 won't have to worry about is if there's a gentleman that kind of has an intimate understanding. I understand operational. Uh, tempo, and that was a very quick um, sort of a, a scenario there, where you could observe that maybe that group wasn't an organized group of of of, of people, um, and so uh, I didn't think that there was any harm going to come that day, not at all. Neither did I. And as these, as, as David Clark, Sheriff Clark, as uh, Ralph was uh, ex- uh, describing, uh, was amongst these these people. He's six four with a with a cowboy hat, and he's a. A, a, a well-known figure, so he's, he's not easy to miss.
2: No, I think his hat's taller than me.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Taller than most, Ralph. And so once the, once the protesters, and I'm sure they saw him, and, and that's where they made their way from the courthouse, and, and once again, they were still assembled in what I thought was on the corner, otherwise still not in any aggressive posturing. And lo and behold, there's these gentlemen walking up. As Ralph said, there was there was some folks that were walking up and they were getting some, you know, getting shout at. And there wasn't any, I didn't see anything thrown. I didn't see anything yet. Uh, I just heard the stuff. And there was a gentleman banging his grandma's pot, I guess that he, you know, picked up or something, told her he was going to cook some lunch. I don't know. So he's banging this pot, and he's getting closer toward the area where where David Clark and the folks are in the middle. And then all of a sudden, this uh, uh, senior, senior gentleman, he had to be maybe in his 60s, uh, and he had on one of those uh, POW, Harley Davidson sort of things. And I think he may have had some pro-law enforcement uh, patches or something like that, or nothing that was obscene or anything. And the gentleman uh, I, th- that – Ralph described that you can see. Because this this other gentleman was like 6'2". So there's David Clark and this other tall guy from this protest, right? And so he begins to make his way toward this gentleman. He's shouting something. The gentleman, like, turns back around and, you know, he maybe flips on the bird or, or something. There really wasn't anything that would have warranted an assault. And that's what followed. That same senior citizen was shoved to the ground, and it wasn't one of those things to where, oh, just, you know, just, 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 you know, it wasn't that hard. No, there was, this is a gentleman that certainly, if, if it were on concrete, uh, would have harmed himself.
2: And, and we're going to get back and finish that story after our mandatory top of the hour break, because I want to talk about what happened after that uh, senior citizen was tackled to the ground by one of the uh, counter protesters. After this, this is Ralph Nudie with uh, guest Will Levinson. You're listening to Get Real with Ralph on AM 1050 WLIP. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Big Brother is watching you. Every breath you take, the thought police are out in fine form. Get Real with Ralph, you're listening to Ralph Nudie and Jim Pellevich. When severe weather hits... And when severe weather hits, I hit it right back. We have with us Will Levinson, and we were talking about the uh, turn of events and how the first little skirmish happened so let's back up a couple of seconds so that we can pick up where we left off. There was a uh, gentleman who was part of the Back the Blue rally. He said he was wearing some, like a vest and some patches, and somebody came across the line, one of the protesters, and they tackled him to the ground. And you, you watched this whole thing happen.
0: Yeah. And so what called my attention is that the shouting or the, uh, the banging, because the gentleman was. Come back through with his grandma's,
2: grandma's pots and pans, yeah. you said, yeah.
0: Or at least I hope they were his grandma's pots and pans. My goodness, I, I don't know if he picked them up. You know, he was kind of beat Nicky, so he might have picked them up from the trash or something and reused it. I don't know, but it was <laughs> certainly used at that point. But And, and, and so here they are, and, and they're on this corner, and this gentleman's walking up. And so now this this guy's rushing him. He, push, he pu- actually pushes him down. And then he begins to sort of tackle him. So first this gentleman hits the ground because this guy got leverage over him. And these guys, the guy was, he had to be 5'7", 5'8", and this other guy 6'2", rushing at him, and he's not expecting this. So the guy hits the ground with a thud, and then the guy stands over him and then begins to, uh, what I can only observe at that point was getting on. Now, he wasn't hitting this guy, but he kind of climbed on top of him. And then the gentleman that was in this reporter or who Claims to be a reporter for the Kenosha News outlet there. Um, the picture that he took and put on your uh, or used that to, in that tagging uh, was very near the end of, 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 of the of the assault. That person that was pictured on top of that demonstrator or protester uh, was with that gentleman or otherwise was close enough to stop that gentleman from further harming that senior
2: citizen. So in your estimation, it wasn't a bunch of people jumping on the protester. It was him pulling the protester off and doing what? Subduing him? Was he assaulting him? What was he doing?
0: Right. And they ex- they did exchange what looked to be uh, blows or otherwise they both had their hands as, like they were boxing, but I didn't see anyone get socked and punched or anything like that, but they must have at least swung at each other.
2: So it was not a two-on-one type of situation in no. y- in, from what you – and you saw the whole thing happen. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Now, I'm, I'm roughly – and it, it's not something where
0: I was observing uh, from where Ralph was or even uh, even adjacent to. This happened – if it was 15 feet away, that would have been too far. It had to be within about at least about 10 feet. Gotcha. And, and so I'm, I'm looking at this and, and all I'm, I'm kind of just shouting, honestly, at the other protesters saying, hey, no one asked you to come here, get back across the street, get back across the street. And actually, that's where the, uh, the, the police uh, kind of drove up. And they didn't have to break anything up, really, because it, it kind of settled down and the guys kind of went to their sides. Um, Sheriff David Clark was still OK, even though he had his firearm on him, which Wisconsin does have reciprocity law. So that wasn't something that was done for a statement that was done for protection for himself and I'm sure for, for others. Um, So you, you have these, uh, the the cops are, 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 so they're, they're not in any aggressive posture and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And as Ralph said, getting the protesters back on their side of the street. So that's, basically probably when you were able to take a look and see what that was, was going on.
2: I'm, I'm guessing that's about the time because I, I came back from walking, walking my, my, my wife, my daughter, and our puppy away, and then I went back. And by the time I went back, I actually saw one of the uh, people who was attending the rally getting handcuffed. Don't know what happened, but uh, I, then I just made my way back to the center. I saw that it was over with, yeah, and yeah. I made my way back to the center because we, you know, we still had a job to do.
0: Yeah, and, and and that's pretty much when I had turned around and, and joined Ed again as I believe that the back the uh, blue rally was to commence, and so I didn't actually see the, per, the gentleman get handcuffed. I, maybe that's what the officers did to respond to kind of break up things if there was anything further, but um, so after that, uh, there was still some shouting, but generally after that, it was a peaceful interaction. But on the uh, and, and, and I apologize, I'm not a journalist. I'm a, I'm a business consultant. I like to, once again, help people uh, make money with their best business decisions there. Um, but what the comment the commentary was from this gentleman that, once again, I'm not sure if he's a journalist because I didn't see any principles being adhered to, so maybe he's a freelance. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but when he said that he didn't care about who started it and then the other commentary where he's showing this picture, I had to respond because I also was tagged in this. And I felt for integrity and for other things, I am representing everyone. So if they're black, white, um, Hispanic, uh, Asian, Pacific American, you know, what have you, probably down to a gray alien if they're here, um, I'll have to make sure that I do my best diligence by them. And so as much as I, I understand what, Our law enforcement professionals go through doing that thankless job. I understand that there's also a valid point. I mean, anything that need anything can get better, right? Uh, Except for the jets, but that's not something that all of us are able to affect. But what we can affect are our 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 local policies. What we can affect is how we treat one another here. I can't speak for anywhere else, but I want to make sure that I represent the people of Racine uh, from the little bit that I have as best as I can, and I cannot do that if I'm blind to
2: to one argument or the other. So, you worked your way back, and what was your perception of the rest of the, the, the rally once that ended, did you see, because I was so focused on getting my message out in an effective manner that yeah. really, we, public speaking is already a frightening thing. People think that it's, if you do it all the time, that it's easy, and, and it's easier. But, you know, there's always that you, you get that little bit of stage fright inside you and in the pit of your stomach and you're getting up, thinking you're going to give a speech. And and all you can focus on is making sure the words come out right and so, that you kind of, you know, using that ebb and flow with your audience and everything else just kind of disappears from view, at least for me. Uh, but you, you're, you're standing down there on the ground. What, what, what did you see after that? Uh, Sheriff Clark was in at Ralph, you
0: were able to speak, and, and a few other folks um, were able to uh, to acknowledge what we were, uh, the, the, the spirit of what the rally was there for. Um, and Sheriff David Clark was able to get up and, 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 and speak and address uh, his viewpoint, of course, of being retired law enforcement and, and the need to have meaningful uh, discussions going forward. And, and we can't have those discussions without having the folks that are going to be affected, the most inf- affected uh, here. Uh, now, the, now the impacted uh, people are, are our law enforcement. And that's pretty much what Sheriff Clark was saying. It wasn't, once again, some, uh, some support of the president. It wasn't some, some peripheral, uh, you know, 2020 rally thing. It was all about what, what it was for, a, a rally to back uh,
2: our law enforcement professionals. I mean, he, he did state his support of the president in yes. there, but it definitely wasn't the central, right. it was nowhere near the central point of, of of his, uh, of his commentary. And I would say that even if you weren't a supporter of, of, of the president, you could probably get behind all the rest of his right. message. I was surprised to hear people say that they thought that his message was, was hateful overall because I didn't hear anything hateful in it. And, uh, of course people like to try and argue back and forth with me on on Facebook about this. And anytime I point to uh, a, a member of the black community who's also a conservative, I, I get told that that person isn't legitimate for one reason or another, whether it be whether it be Candace Owens, whether it be David Clark, whether it be those two comedians. I can't think of their names right now. Yeah. Of course, they're comedians and entertainers first. Uh, whether it be, I mean, a whole host of people that I can think of. What do you say to people when they make those kind of excuses. And do you find them now trying to target those t- type of excuses and level those charges against you?
0: I would say that there are some minds, um, that are resolved. Uh, you, you're not going to really be able to speak to that. Uh, but what I will tell you is that it's not difficult. Uh, you know, the entire identity that it is to be a, a, an American of, of African heritage, um, that, um, We've always had to to, to work in, 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 a, in a narrative where, uh, just like many, uh, and this isn't to, to gloss over anything, but once again, we are all a, a United States, and, and, and there are issues that we haven't solved um, since people became emancipated property. But that's not something that we don't know. That's something that we need to work, and, and, and work in, and the only other way that that can happen, Ralph, is if we all... Um, take our talents and to take our acumen, and to insert ourselves in the process and demand a difference and demand change.
2: I, I was glad that you brought up the the, the, the opposition to the original civil rights uh, legislation in 1957 by, by Strom Thurmond and um, how how he opposed Ike uh, uh, Eisenhower when, when when he was president. And, of course, in 1963, it did end up getting passed, or a version of it got passed, but it ended up getting passed instead of being by the Republican Party. It was, uh, and, and, th- and this is where historians get confused. They say, well, then somewhere along the line, the party switched, and, and the Republicans became the racists. But that, that isn't really what happened. How, how was that bill written differently, and what was the difference between the original proposed legislation in 1957 and what actually got passed in 1963? And how do you think that has affected... The uh, the African American community in the United States since, and thank you, Ralph. And that is a very fair question. The overall um,
0: civil rights um, push was to, of course, make sure that 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 there was equity and equality. And the in 1957 we were facing uh, desegregation at that time. Okay, 1963 hadn't happened. Thurgood Marshall. Uh, we, we didn't, uh, we, we weren't quite there just yet. We were getting there, but, but that hadn't happened yet. John F. Kennedy hadn't happened. Neither did Bobby Kennedy. And so you have, uh, we're in, we're, we're into Korea at that time. And once again, the, uh, in 1958, as a matter of fact, a year later, um, once we were able to get some victory, uh, into at least, um, having, having, having a, a, a unified, a true unified world, um, In 1958, we have NASA, and we also have uh, the. uh, We and we we also have, um, from from that from that budget standpoint, there was a a very early in the year, uh, January, uh, there was a response, uh, and this is something very important uh, from uh, from Nikita Khrushchev. We had just had a a terrible. Uh, set of shootings and a terrible set of civil rights um, uh, or, or lack of civil rights and basically uh, Nikita Khrushchev uh, basically said hey your United States can't be this this country if you have all these issues and that's why you had Dwight Eisenhower uh, as what's celebrated in that Selma movie I'm not sure if a lot of people were able to see that but that was the uh, when you have Richard Nixon and some of those personalities that was in that movie um, they were highlighting the era of that time, and so what we had in '57 was the beginning. What we have in '63 was a little bit more consensus, but it wasn't in any way a victory because uh, we still have people with a carrot held out in front of them for the right to vote. We still didn't get that. That's an, a separate entity from any civil rights le- legislation, which Strom thurman and the uh, the Dems there who kept who who continue to keep that because that's the carrot that they hold. Every What is it, 30 years or so, we have the Voting Rights Act, which is pulled out from the other. civil. it's they were made separate issues at that point. So we have some civil rights legislation passed in 63, but we still have this separate entity there. And then there is, of course, uh, Johnson's uh, uh, War on Poverty and some other policy pieces. But these are all pulled out. There was no consensus uh, that was had that should have been done in '57 they got done later on but still pulled apart and that's where we are in our current narrative where we keep having this carrot policy put before people right because once again we're having this conversation about defunding a public good the the one public good that we all use um that of course they all need to get better right our public utilities need to get better my goodness but everything that we the everything that that we mean to have happen those meaningful conversations can't happen without everyone there because once again, our law enforcement, just like back in, 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 in the civil rights, there's legislation being done without impacted people or without um, that consideration. When you, you we, we have to get it right this first time because this isn't something that we can pull out apart over years, we have to get this right. And so just like the civil rights legislation that's pulled apart, we can't do this. This is a civil right. Or all of for all of us, law enforcement professional and and civilian alike, if we don't make sure that we preserve life, if we don't make sure that even in a, and I hate to use it in in a in a in, in a in a far less funded, uh, safety uh, infrastructure, I want to make sure that they have the tools that they need to do this thankless job. I, there's a lot of policy pieces that that folks can can get information on the you know about the campaign and go to the facebook will for racine um, go to the website dot uh, com and find out some of those policy pieces that you'll hear me yakking about getting dorky and geeky about on there um, but overall we have to make sure that we get this right this is not something that i'm going to uh, join up uh, with some of our leadership in the legislature we're going to get this done wisconsin we're going to get this done right uh, the first time to save life.
2: What would you like to see happen as a result of all this discussion? what what, what do you think the the immediate and the long term solution is to repairing the relationship or or finally building a good relationship in the first place, because I guess there hasn't really been one uh, between between law enforcement and uh, the inner cities? Especially in Wisconsin, because that's where you are. Uh, so, you know, yeah. Racine, Milwaukee, Kenosha. What's the deal? What needs to happen?
0: Well, just like uh, my experience as a sailor um, overseas, um, and this is in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, so we had some issues with sailors overseas. There was a a, a, a kind of a toxic culture um, that you uh, you can look at any... Any overseas press from, uh, from Stars and Stripes or military.com or what have you from 90, 1999 to 2004, you're gonna find that we were that we had some aggressive assaults. Uh, we were losing some, 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 some manning. Uh, when, we, when we're down a sailor, you, could, you just don't get that person back, especially if you're overseas. Stateside is a little bit easier, but you have to get screened and then there's all sorts of things you have to take. Uh, yet you, you get uh, you get inoculated against nearly everything known to mankind. Uh, so, it, it, so y- there's a process, and so you just can't replace those people. But we had to have a different culture centered around. Guess what, Ralph? Safety, safety first, safety paramount, safety above all else.
2: So that includes training both law enforcement and the community how to be safe in, in, inter, in interactions with one another. Absolutely. One
0: thing that I had advocated for. Uh, in my congressional run in Florida and, and since I've been back here in, in, in Wisconsin with law enforcement, once again, this isn't some brainy guy yakking at people. This is something that in an operational understanding, I reached out to minds that would be affected by this stuff if we get it done, right? And so one of the things that I had advocated for, Ralph, and I'm going to, I'm still going to do it until until there's no breath left in here, is to advocate for a officer's bill of rights. And what that is is to set the healthiest expectations going forward between law enforcement, professional, and civilian alike. And notice that I don't use police and I don't use cops because, once again, this is a culture change. So a man thinks he does. That's nothing dogmatic. That is a very good principle to live by. And as we think we should do and as we're saying that we need to have these conversations, Ralph, we have to get this right, but it has to be a culture change. Some of us that ascribe ourselves to faith will say that we understand what a circumcision of the heart means. That's what we have to have in this moment. We have to have a complete change of heart, change of policy, culture. If it's a business thing that you can understand that you got to change our business culture around our law enforcement profession. If you can see it from a faith, uh, faith base, we're talking about a circumcision of the heart with how we deal with our interactions, our relationships between one another. Because that's exactly what it is. You know, sometimes we don't use the terms uh, because they can take on different connotations. But we need to have a intimate, a very intimate uh, change in how we are, and how we face, and uh, how we face these issues, and also how we continue to keep our friends, family, and neighbors safe. Because that is the other component to what our law enforcement professionals do. Is not just locally, they operationally. and This is not just a war hawk or someone that that's, has a party platform. When the aggressors that seek to change our way of life through violence, when they seek to do that harm, it's not my brothers and sisters in arms who get the call to come back from where we're taxed out overseas or, or where we're patrolling or, or standing to watch. It's those same law enforcement professionals that do that thankless job. that keep our French family, neighbors, safe from, well, each other here, but also from uh, from outside aggressors. They are the ones that will get that call uh, when we lost uh, our assets, when we lost those towers. We called the fire department of New York, and we called the police department of New York. Of course. And that's where we are in our, in our everyday lives.
2: Well, Well, we are going to go to a break, but when we come back... We are going to uh, shift gears a little bit, and we're going to just talk a little bit about you and life in general and your background. We're going to have a little fun and, uh, and and make the rest of us a little more lighthearted. And, uh, again, I want to thank you for being on, on the program today. You're listening to Get Real with Ralph on AM 1050 WLIP, and we will be right back after this break. We're back. Get real with Ralph, your host Ralph Nudie, And in the studio here, co-host Jim Selovich and our guest Will Everson, candidate for the 66th Assembly District in Racine, Wisconsin. And uh are you having fun yet, Will? Oh, absolutely. This <laughs> is this is great, man. Thanks. Yeah, you know, we uh we, we try to keep it we we try to keep some of it light and some of it fun as well. But uh man we 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 had some heavy subjects today and uh I'm yeah. glad that I'm glad that this news week is over. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say about that. What do you think, Jim?
1: I I think it's been crazy. It's just I think everyone's lost their minds. You know, <laughs> I, I I just uh, it's it's like I've been you know, taking crazy pills or something. You know, it, it's
2: uh, it's like the Twilight Zone of 2020. I, I mean, just oh, you man. know,
1: this past few months, it's just been absolutely unreal. Yeah. You know, obviously, we never experienced this before in our lives.
2: Yeah. And hopefully never never again. I mean, I've experienced a lot of shizzle in in my life, Mm -hmm. but, uh, nothing, nothing like 2020. It's
1: just in this past week has been absolutely crazy as well, but, uh.
2: Now you you served in the Navy. I served yeah. in the Air Force. My son is currently serving in the Navy. He's nice. a he's an aviation mechanic. Okay. And uh, structural or 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 is he hydraulics? Hydraulics. Okay. Yep. Okay. And uh, he's at Fallon, Nevada. Okay. Over at Top Gun there oh, working yeah, on those yeah. F-18 Super Hornets. Yeah. And of mm-hmm. course when I asked him why, you know, why the Navy? Well, first of all, he graduated from high school and like every other kid his age graduated and didn't do anything for a year except drive around, watch the sunset with his buddies and and uh, who knows, probably smoked some funny stuff too, for all I know. <laughs> but uh, of course, I used the reverse psychology on him when he said he was joining the Navy. I really was happy. But I'm like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Why, why not the Air Force? Uh, and he says, well, well Dag, you know, I'm going to join the Navy because the Navy travels more and I'm going to get to see more of the world. And boom, he ends up in Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he loves it though. He, uh, he drives out to uh, Lake Tahoe all the time, goes yeah. camping with his buddies kid never sends pictures I mean never and I'm like dude send your dad send your dad some pictures so on Father's Day he finally sent me a picture and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the picture that he sent me for father's day that uh, was uh, quite funny and I will explain it to everybody else on the air uh, when I uh, when I get it But uh, he sends me this picture, and it says, Happy Father's Day. (laughs) It's a picture of his – of his – That's nice. Of him standing in a shirt with his rear end because he's changing out his his shorts on a camping trip. You
0: know, I was just about to say that at least he ended up in Nevada and not Jersey. But from that picture, it looks like he may have gone to Jersey slightly before taking that picture.
2: There he is now with his buddies. He sent that to me, I think, during this show just now. But literally, that is the first picture I've seen of his face. (laughs) <laughs> since he got his first permanent duty assignment. Yeah. And uh, I, apparently he got a whole sleeve tattoo that I haven't oh, even wow. seen yet. But, yeah, I said, send me a picture. So he sends me a picture of his rear end. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Because, <laughs> I, I, you know what, I, I wiped that thing when you were a baby. <laughs> I've seen enough of it. I If I never see it again, it's yeah. too soon. Yeah. <laughs> I think I said something like that to him. But he's enjoying being in the Navy, uh, enjoying Navy life, yeah. uh, especially because he's got a... Uh, a an assignment there at Fallon, and, and a part of me, the parent, of course, the warrior part of yeah. me, is like excited for him to do something exciting. But the parent part of me is like, thank God he's in the middle of the desert in yeah. Nevada, and he's never going to see any action. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's every parent's dream is that their kids learning the responsibility of the military, but they're safely out of harm's way, no matter what. Yeah, would you uh, would you recommend that as a, as a path to your kids after after having served? You know,
0: absolutely, and I would say that it was one of the uh, best. Moments or or best uh, years um, that I had not that we haven't done anything else after that, but just the camaraderie uh, you truly do find uh, friends and fraternity uh, for life. And I know that we have uh, female sailors also, but it, it is just a different, uh, a, a a true a, a true gem uh, of my experience. I met a lot of people. As a matter of fact, um, someone that's very near and dear to me. Um, I met her, uh, and her family, uh, when I was overseas. And so it was just one of the things that,
2: um, that really, uh, it, 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 it was really good, man. Uh, really. What's the craziest story that you can tell and still get elected? Uh, oh, oh, so no, there, there's, there's a few, there's a few. And
0: so actually I can tell the story about how I got my tattoo on my arm. So yourself, Ralph, so you're, you're, an, you're, an, uh, you're an Air Force uh, veteran, you are an Air Force veteran, so my first duty station was Canadian Air Force Base, which is a major Air Force installation in, in, the, Japan. in Japan, Okinawa to be exact. And so, uh, I, so I arrived, in, and I had done some traveling before, as a matter of fact, I spent some time out west, uh, western field studies. We had a, it was an extra science credit in, in high school where you go visit all these national parks. So, uh, a, a friend of my, a friend and a, a friend of mine and I, uh, Amos, we may or may not as kids, crazy kids, went searching the desert for a certain uh, a certain cactus flowering uh, psychotropic uh, uh, deal there though. And we so like I said, we were kids uh, growing up with Beavis and Butthead. So. We go out in the middle of the desert looking for peyote, right? And so, but uh,
2: we, were, we we didn't do that in the service. Hey, do you ever see the episode where they're trying to lick the toad?
0: Yeah, no, that's what it was, there. That, was <laughs> <laughs> so that. So it was kind of like that, right? So we and and and, and no, we did we and, and like so we were we weren't, we weren't punk kids, but we were just really given. A, a, just having a hard time. Yeah, 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 you were kids. You
2: boys been whacking in my trailer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, but, and so so when I get to Okinawa, right, and, and honestly, and this is not like, and I'm sorry, like you're a kid, right? And you just have these expectations. I'm an 80s kid, man. So I, I watch TV uh, a lot, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm- Are you a Stranger Things fan? No, you know what? I really haven't followed- that show. I mean, I, I followed it as far as the first couple seasons, but I'm not sure where they were with the with the with the with the mind flayer and stuff. So I haven't seen that.
2: I don't know where they are either. But I loved. I watched the first couple of seasons too. I loved how they really captured the essence of the 80s. Yeah. Have yeah. you have you watched that show? Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. A
1: friend of mine was the uh, artistic. Uh, what do he do there? Uh, he 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 developed the underground. Yeah. You know, uh, so I can't, what, what was can't remember exactly what his. Uh, uh, somebody he did the art wow that's pretty yeah. nice yeah
2: my, my 12 year old and his buddies are watching it now and mm-hmm. I, I he just he just turned 12 last week and I took him out to that ropes course have you seen those boundless yeah. adventures uh, yeah. that they have out in Bristol so I took them all out there and they were talking about stranger things when they were out there and I said boys that other than the science fiction part yeah, that really did a good job of capturing life in the 80s we were playing mm-hmm. dungeons and dragons yeah, with say, dice right, yeah right down to the D, and, right and riding our bicycles around town you know our our, our, our huffy dirt bikes around yeah. town yeah i remember one time i rode from kenosha forest park neighborhood all the way to racine to oh, see wow. a girl that i was interested <laughs> in i mean i don't think that kids are ambitious enough to do that now well, they probably just look up some porn on the internet instead and take, <laughs> take care of themselves.
0: Well, and, and even see that, right? And that, and that kind of points to, you know, our world, right? Because we didn't have all this digital stuff, right? I mean, we had cable, you know, we had things, I mean.
2: Well, I'm 10 years older than you. I remember cable being invented.
0: Oh, wow. So I, yeah, we had Group W when I, when I, I remember when great. Al Gore invented the internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can remember there's only three channels. Yeah. How's that? Oh, wow. I'm, th- I'm 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 that much older than you guys. Wow, no, I got members of th- th- three network channels and uh, UHF.
0: Well, yeah, and, and you know something? Did uh, you have the rotor
2: antenna the rotor? Rotor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. so the, the antenna would turn. got to orient that <laughs> thing, man. I remember one time it froze up during a Packer game, and my dad was a die-hard <laughs> Packer fan. And I just remember two things one, his five foot two ass was up on the roof trying to turn yeah. the antenna himself yeah and two I never heard a man swear so much in my entire life He could probably be a NASA
0: engineer with some of the stuff that we had to do just <laughs> to figure <laughs> just, just hey, remember watch the, TV. Remember the
1: rabbit ears oh yeah rabbit know? ears and and then you get the uh, you know the aluminum foil
0: laser discs my like dad and I. Used to watch, and I kid you not, he had three movies on Laserdiscs. The
2: ones that were the size of the thirty-three RPM records. Oh yeah, those yeah. big
0: boys. We used to watch Torah 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 and *A Bridge Too Far*. I can't remember what the third.
2: You watched Torah 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 with your dad. Yeah, and you have a
0: cool dad. And *A Bridge Too Far*. We we used to watch those on, and I, I can't remember what the what the third movie was because those other two were like really long. I just know it wasn't like, I know it wasn't like uh, Ten Commandments* or something, but 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 we used to watch a lot of that stuff. Um, together. No that wasn't something that led to me getting in the military. actually it was a bad joke uh, j- messing with the friend that got me into the Navy. Um, I think my, my friend Derek was, um, he, was, he, was in, he was in depth.
2: That's the stuff you hear about back in like the 50s. like you get drunk and you wake up and you're in the Navy.
0: <laughs> no, not quite. I, 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 was, uh, I was in high school so uh, so and it was during lunch so definitely wasn't drinking. I was eating some uh, some taco bell and, uh, and drinking a slushie. And so I see my friend Derek, he's over there by the recruiter thing. And he, he's in depth. And then we had a friend, Sean, who's actually still in. Uh, Sean, I believe, is in a senior chief uh, uh, IT um, there. Um, yeah, I think Sean just hit 21 years this year. Uh, so Derek is, is over there talking to the recruiter. And so I go over to Derek and say, Derek, you're trying to be a Navy man, huh? The recruiter goes, Yes, he's trying to be a Navy man. He's trying to get money for college. He's trying to see the world. Yes. Derek's trying to. I'm like, mm-hmm. it was like a commercial. I'm like, oh, you know, like okay, uh, okay. And, and, that was it. You're in, huh? No, no. And so what happened is Derek had, uh, he ended up asking me, hey, would you come down to the recruiter office for me? Not for me, with me, you know, just hey, you know, would you roll, kind of roll with me? And so I went there with him, and it was there that I actually made the decision, say, hey, you know what, I'll give it, a, I'll give it a try. And we were gonna go do the debt program together. That was, you know, a, mm-hmm. a, a way that. Uh, that uh, for recruiting and things that they, they use as a as a way to get folks in. Um, and that was one of, like I said, one of the best decisions I made in my life. And shortly after that, not shortly, I should say about six months after that, the tattoo that I have on my arm that reads ANQ Seishu, Eternal Savior, uh, which is the first portion of our Navy hymn, Eternal Savior Strong to Save.
2: Wow in uh, Japanese. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And that was in Okinawa.
0: Yeah, Gate 2. Gate 2 which is uh, if you're a marine or if you're a veteran listening and you've uh, you've you've been a marine marine we we have like about six or seven different marine installations, man, from from Camp Schwab to Courtney to Kinzer to Fatima to Foster to Butler, man. And there there's a lot there. Um and I actually met three marines out there. Um and we were um in in, in Japan, you can the, the drinking age isn't 21. Right? And so you're able to have access to alcohol a little bit sooner, and so there we were. Um, and these guys, they were just uh, they were waiting to get a tattoo also, and I was actually trying to talk myself out of getting a tattoo because I didn't want to run into the thing with having to get a, get a special uh, chit or, or, or have anything uh, uh, where I couldn't have it or that I would have to cover it up
2: all the time. And so here's these the rules have gotten so much more lax yeah. since then. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and and now yeah, you don't have to do that stuff. I mean, I sometimes they want to make sure that it wasn't offensive even back then. And that's and when you have uh, I, when I was in the military,
2: we had don't ask, don't tell.
0: So it's yep. a completely different uh, social or societal, social political focus. I, mean, I was
2: in before don't ask, don't tell. Wow, I was in when they would actually ask you on your enlistment questionnaire. If you were a homosexual and if you said yes, you were disqualified from yeah. service. So you think about the strides that our country has made. Wow. You know, and, and it's funny. This is a segue that I wasn't looking for. But, you know, now we're looking at all our historical figures that are being judged based on today's standards. Yeah. And yet you look at Bill Clinton, who is president, and Barack Obama's president. We're both saying how they supported the fact that marriage was between one man and one woman. And yet that's changed. And these are people that are champions of the left. And they don't judge them for it as being evil or they, they realize that that people evolve as the world changes around them. And yeah, that was a slow evolution yeah. from, you know, and, and it was it was a big controversy in, in, in its day that it was going to completely disrupt the, yeah. the good order of the military. And yeah. I don't think that it has overall. No. I think that it really was a, it was a fear that ended up being ill founded. Yeah, absolutely. At, and uh, I think it's important that we look back at history and realize that great people look at changing circumstances and evolve, and uh, and, and and they did that. But uh, back to your "don't ask, don't tell" because that's what they had then. Oh
0: yeah, and 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 I can tell you that there are sailors um, that now at this point in life uh, that I know or had conversations over some years, and you know they they're who they are. But I can tell you. And this isn't, once again, some diatribe, some platform. I have not known uh anyone that had been admin except when I was in service. I said, no, not say that it didn't happen. I was on board the Kitty Hog, man, a 5,000 person personnel carrier, uh, aircraft carrier. We had guys that would go, that that would, you know, go ashore with a female blouse on with perfume, okay? Ooh. No one. Once again, those those are people that you are. For the lack of a better word, that's your family, right there. That mm-hmm. those are your friends. That's your immediate uh, group. Um, so you want to protect those people. You don't want to see those people hurt. Uh, I happen to serve a great deal of my service overseas. As,
2: I think about how closed minded people can be yeah. in other in, in other countries, and yeah. I said, "Ooh," because I I can't imagine. I. I can see where that could end up being problematic for somebody yeah. if they were in a country that was less tolerant yeah. and, and you're traveling all over the world in the Navy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention when you talk about human trafficking and things, that is a way that you can lose someone, uh, especially in some of those areas where, uh, in, not to, in Southeast Asia where that may be a bit of a true entertainment um, vice, uh, that particular um, orientation or choice. And so you don't want to see people get put in harm's way just by being themselves mm-hmm. in an area. Um, and that, that isn't to, once again, gloss over something. that We did that to protect and to preserve life because we did lose a sailor because of his orientation in the FDNF, and the four deployed mm-hmm. naval forces, uh, the USS Exxon. I believe there was a Lifetime movie shortly before I joined the service that had come out about it, maybe 96, 97, somewhere where they were, and I forget what it was, like Forbidden Beach or something like that, but I'm sorry, don't get me to quote <laughs> Lifetime movies here in the air, but there but there it was. It sounds a like a Lifetime it. movie. Though, it, I right? think so, I think so. Forbidden Beach. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and it just goes to show that here these few, I mean, that was 99. I got out in 2008, and literally just that quickly. We went into some other direction, and then we had to go back, right? Because remember, we had some the, with the uh, transgendered sailors or transgendered military personnel, if I understand that correctly.
2: Yeah, we've definitely we, we've definitely evolved as a country in a very very short period of time, and with that with, with that evolution comes growing pains. Uh, you know, some people get a little left behind because everything that they were told was right or wrong or what was dogmatic in their lives have changed around them yeah. and then when they're slow to adjust to that the younger people who don't understand that they grew up in a different time treat the, these older people who are having a hard time accept it as if they're something less than, than, than a decent human being when really it's it's a lot of deprogramming it's a lot of really changing a bunch of switches around in your brain when you when it really comes to it as opposed to maybe how you were raised yeah And uh, I think that people can do a better job of being more tolerant of people who are less evolved. Yeah.
0: And you know something that's kind of hauntingly poetic, that the hateful 50s and 60s, that certainly we know from our history, right? We know that we weren't the greatest. I mean, we're human, right? So we're never the greatest. There's no no one of us good, no, not one. That's, once again, not dogmatic. Mm -hmm. We kind of know that, right? Uh, And George Wallace and guy keeping folks from uh, going to school, you know, going to college, uh, later on in his life, uh, I won't say recanted, but at least uh, voiced. Acknowledged. Acknowledged mm-hmm. that he uh, was on the wrong side uh, of not just history, but just morality, and and that he hoped, I, I, I don't know if he repented, you know, of his own faith, but I would venture to guess that it takes something hard for somebody that, held so much hate so long to actually come out and say
2: something like that Um,
0: with some personal risk, right? Because, I mean, I'm sure there's family members of his that wouldn't want to hear.
2: In this day and age, he ended up being hated hated by both sides because apologies and recanting and evolving isn't enough for the rabid, angry faction of this country. That, you know, for them, once, you know, w- once you're a hateful sinner, you're always a hateful sinner and you're unredeemable. And I think we need to get past that. I think we need to get back to a point where re- redemption is possible for everybody. And I'm, I'm not talking about the redemption between man and God, because yeah. that is always possible. But between mm-hmm. man and fellow man yeah. and, and woman, that redemption is possible. That when, when somebody e- e- evolves and, and grows, that, that, that we accept that growth as, as, as genuine within people. And I hope that this really tumultuous time that that we've gone through, I, I think sometimes things get worse before they get better. But but hopefully it'll lead to a great awakening in in this country.
0: What's that book uh, that guy wrote? Uh, How to win friends in influence Dale Lewis, Pe- Dale Carnegie. Yeah, you know, there those. Types of people that he mentioned in that book. You know, and I didn't have to Google it. No. <laughs> lovable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, I'm not an avid reader. I read books sometimes. I Our think, daytime but. show host would have to Google that. <laughs> but uh, we, and, and so you have lovable losers and these, these types of people, right, that, that we know and that we, and, and that we interact with. And that's the whole thing. That, that, that's literally what most of us who can understand, uh, not just dogmatic in faith, but just common sense that, for example, what we just talked about—the extending of, of 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 a ability to say, "Hey, I, I understand." And this is not once again to disparage anyone, but it is now part of fact and record that Jimmy Fallon uh, used or acted with the blackface. Sure. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't this as out- did.
2: Uh, how about Howard? How about Howard Stern's incredible disface distasteful rendition of Ted Danson's? Yeah. Routine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, that was going on everywhere and these are not hateful people. Right. These are people that are, I would say definitely are, are, are left of center. Yeah. yeah. Who really have a heart for all people that at the time it yeah. was, it was accepted by their, their peers, including their peers of color. Yeah. And even
0: now, Jimmy Fallon, right. Even now that he gets to say that he's sorry, just like we mentioned the other gentleman said, you know, Hey, mm-hmm. I was on the wrong side of this. Oh, that's Okay. But if that's someone else that maybe has a proclivity you know, or a view that's completely you know, different than that, then maybe they don't get that same courtesy.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on our show. And uh, I just want to give the uh, listeners one last send-off. I want to uh, share my my admiration and and, and love for all in in our community, all that have made this show a fun, successful show. And hopefully we will see you on the other side with uh, something new and fresh. You're listening to Get Real with Ralph on AM1050 WLIP, getrealwithralph.com. And for the final time, thank you for tuning in. God bless, and good night.